Good morning, welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Liam, good morning, Lyle. How are you this morning? I am... Let me think. Just incredible. Oh, have I used that one that's, this week? That's wonderful this to hear. There's the word I should have used. It is indeed. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you? I am. I'm doing really well. I'm really okay. good. Yeah. And what yeah. are you? What are you thankful for this morning? <laughs> this morning, I am. I'm. I'm very thankful because for the first time in five weeks, yesterday, I got a hug from somebody. <laughs> it was. I, I was this. Was this a legal hug? It was. It was my little cousin. He, um, he, so he, he, obviously, because he's quite young, he doesn't quite get the idea that the world's going crazy and he can, he can't hug many people. Um, so I saw him for the first time in five weeks as well. So I saw him and he said, Liam, and he ran up and gave me the biggest hug in the world and it was just amazing. <laughs> and I loved it. And I tell you what, I'm, I've taken hugs for granted in the past. I think we all have, oh, you know. I think we all kind they of are just it. incredible. And uh, you know, the huggers out there are really going to be struggling during this this pandemic. It's, oh, it's been. I, I like to hug, and I'm, it's been hard. I, I'm I'm struggling. I'm a handshaker for the most part. I I'm quite happy to hug as well, but for the most part, I'm a handshaker, and I really struggle not being able to shake hands. It's, Indeed, oh, um, it's just hard. We'll get there. You though. just don't feel like you're making social connection with Absolutely. people. Absolutely. What are you thankful for this morning, Lyle? Ooh, let me see. Let me see. Um, let me see. Um, um, I'm thankful. Okay, here's what I'm thankful for this morning. We are in the process of filming an evangelistic program. Indeed. Um, Bible study series, and it's going to be launching in a few weeks' time. We've got filming again today, so Sharissa Tarosian and myself will be filming that. So, yeah, a little bit of a heads up. That's going to be coming up soon, so stay tuned for it. This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Okay, so coming up in today's news, we're going to talk about the Australia Coronavirus app and where that information actually goes to. That's an interesting story. Of course, uh, Raylene Castle has just resigned from Rugby Australia. We're going to uh, mention that as well, um, along with the trials of the first uh, COVID-19 vaccine. That's all coming up.
Welcome back. That was Wendell Kimbrough with the hand of God from Psalm 82. Here we go. So, if, time for the first quiz of the day. Where to put my piece of paper? It's right in front of me. <laughs> All right. Our first quiz, uh, our first clue for the quiz this morning. Uh, this is a what city am I? We've had a lot of cities recently uh, for our quizzes, uh, but this one, I think, it, I, th- I, I thought it was a bit of a difficult one, so I thought, let's go for this one. Mm. All right. So, here we go. What city am I? This is where the Lord appeared to Solomon in in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. So which city did the Lord say this to Solomon? Oh, I'm going to take a guess. Yes. Let's see how I go with a guess. It's it's, It's not one that I picked. So, have we got it? That is not the right city, so the double prize is still up for grabs. And our prize this morning, in light of Anzac Day tomorrow, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a, a, a bit of a, a, a war-themed or a military-themed, and we're giving away uh, for the prize... It is Hero of Hacksaw Ridge by Desmond Doss. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Lyle? Okay, so Desmond Doss was a, an American medic. He was a conscientious objector, somebody who refused to carry arms. He was a frontline medic. He actually struggled quite a bit to be allowed to uh, be on the front line because being somebody who refused to carry arms, there was like, oh, we couldn't have possibly have that um, you know, out there fighting. He eventually did make it to the front lines. He fought in the battle on Okinawa. And it was there that uh, he was credited by his senior officer with you know, rescuing, I think it was 150 people. And he denied the possibility of that and claimed it couldn't have been more than 50. Anyway, no, it was 100. It was 100 that he was credited with. Um, anyway, they came to an agreement and it was eventually reported as 75 people in one night by himself. Sorry, in one action by himself, day and night, um, behind enemy lines. 
He just went, kept going back and back and back and back and taking more and more wounded people out, received the Congressional Medal of Honor. And it wasn't just American so. people that he was bringing back either. He, yeah, there was one or two Japanese that were uh, rescued as yeah. well. He, his, um, his judgment was a little bit impaired because he was so tired and working so hard that he was just he saw someone that was in trouble that is in need of help and he helped him. So if you would like to get your hands on a copy of that book, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text at 0491-064-669. And if you can answer this quiz correctly this morning, we'll be sending you a copy of The Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. There you go. go. All right. All right. So my story... Positively different news. Indeed. So what I want you to do for our listeners is just describe a little bit what I'm wearing at the moment. Okay. I've been waiting to do this. Here we go. it's It's like Liam... I have I have a confession to make. I'm going to make a confession. Somebody forgot what day it is today. I, I did. I forgot it was Friday, and I didn't do. I did not do uh, formal Friday, but Liam did formal Friday in spectacular style, above and beyond. Um, so he has turned up this morning wearing his uh, grandfather's great coat from the Korean War, um, along with a genuine uh, well a, a belt from that era. And uh, shirt and tie to match, and looking spectacular. Thank you very much. I've also got gloves that were were my grandfather's, but not from his uh, uniform. So it was a bit tricky to try and get everything together. To uh, you know, cause I'm we, impressed that you have this stuff here in New South Wales. I know. I, I, I was surprised that I could get it together. Um, you know, in lockdown, despite everything. If it wasn't in lockdown, I probably could have gotten things that are a little bit more accurate. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed with what I've done. Well, too. hey, the the the, uh, the great coat you can't get more accurate than uh, oh no, genuine um, this is um, genuine article right I, there. I love this. This is something that I'm in love with. And when I, when I wear this, I I think about my grandfather so much, and the amount of respect that that I get, and the amount of you know pride that I that I get wearing this is just incredible. So this morning, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell everyone again a little bit about my grandfather, Rex Shuttleworth. Um, now, Rex was born in 1930. He was um, and then grew up not inside the church. Um, there's, there's a much bigger story, you know, regarding his, his spiritual journey um, that we can get into a different day. But I thought today I'd, I'd, just spoke, I'd just like to speak on how important him being in the army was so he was in the first division of the royal australian regiment as a mechanic so he went to korea um in the korean war and he yeah so he was part of that he left the army in 1958 or 1959 i can't remember exactly uh, but he left because he realized that his him being away so much from his from uh, from home was having an impact on his family so came home at the time he had uh two two children uh, my uncle marcus and my auntie michelle and yeah, so that's sort of that was really all I knew about my grandfather being in war, and for for quite a long time. Uh, but when I was seven, I was not seven. When I was uh, thirteen in two thousand and thirteen, I was in a room with him. So my my grandfather, he was one of the nicest guys in the world. So quiet, he was very quiet, and he was he, he yeah. Your stereotypical grandfather, he always spoiled me and my brothers and made me feel amazing. And I always loved going to his house. And he was one of the most quietest, peaceful men ever. Um, however, in 2013, um, so he, he was, uh, I don't know if it was 2013, but he was, he, was with, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he had dementia. And so this was early on, pardon me, it was early on in the, in the whole um, stage and the process of this. And I had a conversation with my nan and my grandfather was in the room at the time. And I was talking about, you know, what I want to do when I finish school and the things that I'd considered. And one of the things that I mentioned to my nan 
was that I'd considered joining the army. You know, you know, what young kid thought the army was pretty cool, mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be a good idea. And as soon as I mentioned the word army, my grandfather blew up. He absolutely went off. He was like, "No, no, 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 no! Don't, no, absolutely not." And as soon as my dad heard that, she was like, "Okay, we're going to move on, and we're going to change the subject, move on to something else." It was in that moment that I really realised that I didn't actually know a whole lot about my grandfather. Mm. And there was a lot more in this. There was a lot deeper than I originally thought. And I knew I also... Yeah, because you kind of think of uh, somebody who's serving as a mechanic and we appreciate their service, but when you get that kind of reaction, you suddenly realise that this person did more than just fix trucks. Yeah. And they've seen more than just you know the inside of a car, the inside of a the inside of a uh, a, a jeep or a truck or you know, yeah. military vehicle. They've they've seen some pretty hard things. Yeah. So um, so when he left the army, the re- I knew he was a mechanic. When he left the army, he joined Mac, the uh, the truck company, and he was a mechanic for them. Um, so so yeah, it was at this point that I realised that not only was that I didn't know much, but I also realised that I wasn't find out much from him. Mm. I wasn't going to find much from him telling me. So I, I looked to my own father and asked him about it. And because it was quite similar even before my grandfather got dementia and Parkinson's, my dad didn't know a whole lot about it either. However, he did have his own experiences. And one of the most significant experiences that happened in my father's life that really sort of drilled home how important it was, uh, how important my grandfather was in regards to him being in the army was in the early 90s. Uh, my dad went to an Easter camp in Perth, which is where all the all the, all the Everyone from around the the state, uh, even around the country, come together for a big meeting at Easter time to you know uh, celebrate Jesus and yep. everything that comes with that. So it's a big a big group meeting of of people from all around the the, um, the country uh, and the state. Um, so and the the theme for this it, 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 there was an army theme for it, and part of this the, for his age group he was in the youth division, and part of this meant that he got to fly in a helicopter um, and land. They got to make. Ah, oh, that's cool. Land in a helicopter in the the field next to where the the campground was, and he was wearing the coat that I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. And he said that what he felt when he was wearing that, and he went through the whole motions. Mm-hmm. He just he was inspired, and he felt the pride, and he realised then as well that there's a lot going on. So I think he asked um, my nan at the time uh, what was going on, and yes, yeah, so it was just. My yeah, my grandfather he was an incredible man. He he unfortunately passed away last year on the fifth of April, um, and you know last year I had the privilege and the honour of wearing his Korean War medal to Anzac Day, um, because my my nan's in in Perth and got all the medals with her. Uh, I can't do that this year, but last year I felt incredible pride and incredible honour, and I just felt amazing. So what are your plans for Anzac Day tomorrow? <sighs> so my plans for tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be waking up very early. I'm going to be wearing exactly what I'm going to be wearing now. Um, I'm going to be, sorry. I'm going to be wearing exactly what I'm wearing now. I'm going to walk to the end of the driveway. I'm going to light a candle for my grandfather um, and everybody else who has suffered or lost or, or, or things have happened to them as a result of the war. And I am going to listen to the last post and the, the whole, I'll go through all the motions. I'm just going to take a moment to remember... The significance of my grandfather and all the other men and women who have sacrificed their life um, and have served and us and the people that are still serving 
Um, so yeah, that's I'm going to be waking up, and I'd like to encourage everyone else to do that too. You know, if you've got people that uh, are in your life that are significant to you, light a candle for them. Mm-hmm. Get up early in absolutely, the morning. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's not forget Anzac absolutely. Day. Absolutely. Let's make Anzac Day a very special and unique Anzac Day. And yes, let's uh, all meet at the end of our driveways to uh, to remember those who have um, served and are serving. Indeed. So quite fittingly, the song that we've got now is "Abide in Me" by Incredible Grace.
Welcome back, guys. That was Abide With Me um, uh, right here on Faith FM. Before we head on to the next section of our breakfast show, we have another clue for our quiz, Liam. What we do indeed. The clue number two for everybody this morning is, this is where Joab killed Amasa, whom Absalom appointed commander over his army. I'm quite proud that I got all the names right there. <laughs> I'll, I'll go through it again. This is where Joab killed Amasa, whom Absalom appointed commander over his army. So where was Amasa killed? Another stab in the dark. Let's see how we go. Indeed. So if you know what this answer is, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text at 0491-064-669. And if you're the first person with the correct Still answer... double prizes available. It is indeed. Took and a stab. The Wasn't main the right one. Oh, it's, it, you, I thought it would be... When I looked at it, I thought it was close, but then I looked at the answer and it's not close. So, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, you get, if you're the first person in with the correct answer this morning, you'll be getting a copy of Hero of Hacks Saw Ridge by Desmond Doss, going through sort of his experience in the army when he was a conscientious objector, uh, refusing to pick up a weapon. Okay, so tomorrow is Anzac Day, and uh, it's going to be a very different Anzac Day for us here in Australia uh, this time round, particularly as, of course, we won't be going to marches or commemorations. I think that it is important that we do remember all those who have served and are serving and the sacrifices that they made. Absolutely. We, we, I think we underestimate just what the horrors of what some of these people go through. And I've kind of seen it here when, you know, we, we typically do our Anzac Day special on Anzac Day. And, you know, obviously that's over the weekend, this weekend. And so we will be having an Anzac Day special as a part of our small group Bible study tomorrow uh, with Matt Parra and myself. That's between 9.30 and 10.30. Um, however, it... Um, I just want to encourage everybody, the uh, Queensland RSL and um, a number of other organisations have um, endorsed the end of driveway services. Absolutely. And so you can go to the end of your driveway, um, do that with the people that are living in your home. And if you don't have a driveway, go to the balcony or something like that. Go to your balcony. The window, just somewhere where people can see that you... Yep. The last post will be played on the radio or you can just download a copy and play it yourself and recite the ode with the people that are there and remember those who have served, those who have fallen and those... Absolutely. I, I think this is something that um, that we really do need to remember. I also think that, you know, and, and Liam and I were chatting about this off air and Liam was telling me about a chest that belongs to his grandfather yeah. that... His grandfather kind of never opened and hasn't been opened since his grandfather passed away. No. Yeah, it's it's something that um, I never... So I've, I've been to my grandparents' house for countless years for my whole life. And I only found out about this last year after he passed away. My, my, my grandfather had a box, yeah. a box that was similar to that as well. And uh, the story behind that is that uh, about a month... Well, he, he he took it out one day and burned it, and a month later he passed away from a heart attack, and yeah. nobody ever got to find out what was in that. And these kinds of you know areas where a person's a portion of a person's life is locked away. Yeah, when a person 
feels that they have to take a portion of their life and just lock it away. Mm. It just illustrates to those of us who have never served the true horrors that some people have to face and the true sacrifices that they make. I think it's important that we remember our allies at times like this. Absolutely. Not just Australians and New Zealanders. New Zealanders. And for me, this is just my personal opinion, I believe that we should remember all those, you know, who ended up in a horrific situation, you know, often drafted without choice, uh, whatever it might be, and became the pawns of a political machine that ended up in their defeat. We need to remember the families. There were families torn apart. There were tragedies on the other side as well. And we need to, yes, we need to maintain very, very strong resistance to the ideologies that created these wars. Absolutely. But at the same time, we're in, you know, and and I think of, uh, you know, last year when uh, we interviewed Monica's father. Um, about what took place, and that was, you know, it was it was kind of it was kind of traumatic at the time. Yeah. But once again, it illustrated, you know, because her grandfather had also, you know, com- a, a life that was completely locked away, and stories that she'd never heard. Yeah. Um, and he, and he'd only ever spoken to her father once. Mm. And we hear this over and over again. Um, one of the things that uh, you know, when we when it comes to remembering our allies. I think that um, racism is something that has kind of reared its ugly head recently. And here's a question. Here's a question for you. I'm going to toss this one out there. Um, in the Second World War, let's go back to the Second World War, which was you know, one of the most horrific wars that Australians were involved in. Indeed. Um, in the Second World War, which one of our allies suffered the most casualties? Uh, was it America? America, okay, I made a bit of a list here. The United States suffered about... 450,000 casualties. Okay. So it's not the United States. It's a toss-up between two countries. Uh, The statistics are um, unclear as to which one of the two it was. But both of them, the estimates, are similar. Yep. But there's every likelihood that our our ally that lost the... that had the greatest number of casualties as a result of the Second World War was China. Really? Really? So America lost 450,000 people. China lost 20 million. Wowzers. And we often don't think about no, that. we don't. You know, we often like, yeah, the Second World War started in 1939. No, it didn't have been going for quite a while before that. And China That's, was our ally. Yeah. And my next door neighbours are Chinese people. Yeah. And we now have a situation in Australia where some people, we had this, you know, this racist slur about the coronavirus that was painted on a Chinese house, a Chinese person's house in Melbourne. And we need to remember on this Anzac Day that these guys were our allies. 100%. Absolutely. And we might be opposed to, you know, what had the China's, you know, the Chinese government's handling of the crisis, but we need to remember it's the Chinese people that are suffering, and when people are suffering, people are people. That's it. Of course, the other uh, one that is um, close um, was the Soviet Union, uh-huh. um, which was our other ally in the Second World War, and both sitting at around about the 20 million mark. Um, that is not a small amount. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, when I, when I toss it out there, it usually surprises people. Yeah. Uh, typically, when I ask that question, people go exactly where, where you went, Liam, and talk about the United States. And United States casualties were pretty small compared to, you know, some of our other allies. Poland lost six million. Six million. 
and they're people. a small, smaller country. India too. lost three million people in the Second World War. You know, we don't we for some reason culturally we don't connect uh, with some of these nations and their history as much as we do with nations whose history is closer to ours. But there is a whole massive untold story out there. Absolutely, that we need to be remembering on Anzac Day. Anyway, what else we got happening around the world? Uh, very quickly, we need to uh, talk about uh, human trials of a coronavirus vaccine. Um, have just been injected into 500 volunteers in the UK. That was fast. That was I wasn't indeed. expecting that until Christmas time. Even um, after that, y- indeed, they've fast-tracked it. Now, that does not mean that we are anywhere near close to the release of a vaccine, and that does not mean that we will see a vaccine that is released before Christmas. But human trials is very encouraging. Um, in uh, uh, Oh, this one's interesting. So in Australia, the coronavirus app uh, that is being produced is... The information from that app and is being managed by Amazon. Really? Okay. The reason why this is interesting: in 2018, the United States published uh, uh, um, passed a law, I should say, that allows them to obtain information held by United States registered companies, regardless of where in the world that information is obtained from. So, right. okay. So here's how it works: Amazon creates a virus tracking app for us here in Australia. And the FBI has access to all of your um, coronavirus right. details. That's, that's exactly what we need, isn't and it? That's, and that's by law. So that could be... I'm fun. surprised that it's not run by the Australian government. Well, they're, they're subbing it out to you know, a big tech company uh, okay, who's yep. um, going to build an yep. app for them. And Fair you know, Amazon's put their hand up and put a bid in and it looks like it could be a successful bid. And that's, and that's what could happen if that all takes place in that format. Fair who enough. knows what the future will hold. But an interesting world in which we live here in Australia, Indeed. of course. Uh, two out of three cases um, are in remi- uh, have uh, recovered 50% in two weeks. 25% have taken three weeks. And the rest have taken a little bit longer than that. And of course, Raylene Castle, who was who kind of started at the at the head of the Israel Falal uh, disaster, has uh, been pushed out of the uh, position of CEO of Rugby Australia. Yeah, she did voluntarily step down, but it was after a meeting where. After, uh, the, she felt that she was not welcome anymore. And a letter from uh, the former Wallabies captains demanding her resignation. That too. Kind of makes so, you feel unwelcome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she has resigned and uh, and that whole uh, saga is over. Anyway, we need to continue on. This is Josh Garrels with For You.
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to Josh Garrels with For You. This is The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Liam. We have another... No, no we don't. quiz has been we answered. Somebody the quiz got, has some, been answered. Somebody got double prizes They did indeed. So, congratulations to Jaden from Kurenbong, who correctly answered the quiz with Gibeon. I was not that even... That was the city. I have to admit... I was not even remotely close. It is a bit of a tricky one. I may it? have not ever gotten there, so well done. Congratulations. Well done to Jaden. So that means we're moving on to the next quiz. It is indeed. So here we go. This is uh, What Book Am I for this one. So What Book Am I, the word judgment is found most often in this book 15 times. So which book has the word judgment mentioned this, the most amount of times? If you know what, you, what the answer to this uh, clue is, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or you can send us a text at 0491 And if you are the first person with the correct answer, you still have the opportunity to get Hack, uh, Hero of Hacksaw Ridge by Desmond Doss and the double prize is still up for grabs again because Lyle does not have, quite get it. Yeah, I've, I've, don't know the answer to that one. Anyway, joining us on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning, Liam. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. And good morning to your listener as well. Yes. And uh, Etienne, as uh, we um, come on for our monthly update from Voice of the Martyrs, uh, just a reminder that Voice of well, just re- remind us very quickly what Voice of the Martyrs does. Right. Well, we're here to uh, make people aware of persecution around the world. Uh, we allow people to enter into fellowship with the persecuted church, the rest of the body of Christ. And uh, that can be through prayer. It can even be through financial support to make sure we can get Bibles to people who lack Bibles. Uh, quite often our work is in areas where people have a very low knowledge of Christ, but they have a very high level of obedience. So they may have only heard one sermon or they may have only one page of scripture. It may be handwritten. And uh, they will be prepared to suffer all kinds of things, even imprisonment, separation from their family, or even death. And uh, we make sure that we are there to support them, support their family, and also to get Bibles out to uh, to evangelize the world, even in those difficult and restricted areas. It's hard to imagine when you Our, live here in Australia that uh, there are places in the world that exist like that right now. It's incredible, but we actually work in 68 countries around the world. Sometimes the whole country is not restrictive. It may be pockets where there's restriction. The government may not necessarily work against Christians, but there'd be communities and there would be um, areas where people through their family uh, might actually be persecuted. So it, it varies from country to country. And even in some countries where there are restrictions, some areas may be relatively free and you can still, to a certain extent, exercise your religious freedom. But in other parts of the country, they could be quite uh, restrictive and there could be imprisonment. And you can talk about places like China and Vietnam and places like that, where in the southern part of Vietnam, you can still go to church, you can attend a, a church. But uh, under certain restrictions, of course, uh, it's very closely monitored. Where if you go to the central parts of Vietnam or the northern parts, uh, people are imprisoned, um, people are isolated, they chased off their land, they find that there's all kinds of things that... Uh, the communist countries uh, were used to try and stop people from sharing their witness for the truth and for Christ. Yeah, and it's amazing that Christianity survives and even thrives in some of these locations. Etienne, I'm wondering whether you can just share with us this morning um, how COVID-19 has affected this whole situation. Um, with Has it had an impact on persecuted Christians? 
Yes, it definitely has. Uh, there are some smaller stories or, or uh, stories where it's actually been very positive, but overall it's been uh, detrimental to many Christians in many countries. Um, you know, for example, just taking uh, persecution at a family level. So you may be in an area where the government doesn't necessarily persecute, but because you've left uh, the faith of your family, you are being persecuted. Now, imagine being locked up 24-7 with the restrictive uh, laws we have now under COVID-19, and your persecutors are there with you 24-7. There's no reprieve whatsoever. It's made it very tough for many people who are now the only Christian in their family, and their family are very hostile towards them and their Christian worldview. So that's uh, one scenario. Another scenario is in places like Pakistan, for example, where people, if they don't work, uh, they don't eat, basically, because it's hand-to-mouth kind of living, subsistence living. Mm-hmm. And um, they've had problems where aid has been distributed. And when they go to receive the aid as part of the community, uh, because they are Christians, they don't receive any handout, no aid, no food whatsoever. And uh, in Pakistan, for example, they have an ID card, and on each ID card, your um, your family religion is placed on there. And of course, it's illegal for you to convert. You cannot change your religious identity on your ID card if you become a Christian. If you become a Muslim, however, it's a lot easier to do that. But that ID card has actually worked against them. Matter of fact, that's been that ID card has caused a lot of problems for Christians sometimes just to get employment. So if they want any government jobs, for example, you know, if they apply for a judiciary job or armed forces or the civil services or any other government jobs, they actually need to submit an affidavit and declare uh, the Kamti Nabuwat, which means that Muhammad was the final prophet. And if they do that, then, of course, they can get a job. Now, uh, I'd like to say that no Christians do that, but occasionally people succumb to that kind of pressure just simply so they can get uh, a job and, and edge out a living for themselves. Yeah, it's incredibly challenging when you've got to put uh, food on the table for yourself and for your family, and that's an, a, a massive amount of pressure. Um, when you talk about people not receiving aid if they have, you know, obviously Christian marked on their ID card in Pakistan, is that something that is simply a practice that happens, or is that law? Um, no, that's just a practice that happens. The government quite often will hand out uh, aid to people. Uh, maybe the intent of the government is to support everybody, but quite often the way it's uh, enforced is very different because you have people typically who are government people and they may have a very strong bias uh, towards uh, Islam and they may have a strong aversion to Christianity. So at an individual basis, on individual levels, they can be discriminated against. But we find that quite often, even you know, with refugees fleeing um, you know, the war in Syria, for example, we had Christians there who wanted to enter um, camps set up by the UN. But because the people who were checking identifications or allowing people to come in were of an Islamic persuasion, often Christians were denied access into these camps. And of course, that means the denial to any basic needs, any foods, provisions, etc. So it's not uncommon for people when there's an intent to help everybody individuals within those organizations who are not Christian, who have an aversion to Christianity, actually restricting and persecuting those who follow Jesus. Yeah, Etienne, what are, what are some ways that these people in these uh, countries where they're being persecuted for their beliefs, what are some ways that they have been continuing to, to share the word of God uh, amongst their fellow people? Well, it varies from place to place. Uh, sometimes you've got to be very circumspect and you've got to be discreet. You've got to, you know, everything happens underground. 
and you've got to find opportunities where you can speak to people individually. Because in some countries, if you found to be sharing the gospel, you will be arrested and you could even lose your life. And not only that, the person that you speak to is also at risk if they listen to you or if they receive just a, a gospel tract or a, a portion of the Bible, maybe the Gospel of Mark, for example. So it's not only dangerous to one sharing, it's also dangerous to the one who's receiving the word because by implication they are now guilty as well. So they've got to be very careful. In other countries where it's a little bit more open, you can share it, but you will be marginalized by the community. So it, it varies. And uh, we always got to keep in mind what persecution is. Persecution is simply someone wanting to restrict the witness of a Christian for Jesus. So it's one that's a witness for the truth, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, and then wanting to shut you down. Now, um, persecution has many facets. I mean, obviously, the biggest persecutor and the one that wants to shut down a witness for Christ is Satan. And he will move on people to do that. Uh, but second to that, of course, is the world. Jesus said, you know, if the world hated me, you know the world will hate you also. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. And of course, then we have our fallen human nature, and that can be manifested even within families, people who are close to you. But it all comes down to this, stopping your witness for Christ. Now, Satan is very successful in the West with shop, shutting down our witness uh, through materialism and worldliness. Um, you know, the, the thing that we find in the West, and I'm generalizing because there are always exceptions, is that uh, we are very comfortable with our life and our lifestyle. And we know if we perhaps witness, it may be a little bit uncomfortable for us. So we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. And people who stand out would be Israel Folau. Israel Folau, if he just kept his witness to himself, he would not have had a problem. Margaret Court, if she kept her witness to herself, you know, and didn't write that open letter to... um, to Qantas, she wouldn't have been marginalized like she has, and she wouldn't have had all the, the pressure put on her. So it really comes down to our witness. That's the primary area of persecution. The second part of that, of course, is the Christian identity. You may keep your mouth shut, but after a while, if a few people speak up, of course, you're lumped in with the whole Christian group, and uh, then you may uh, be persecuted as well, just simply because of identity, not necessarily because of your witness. Etienne, religious liberty is something that goes hand in hand with, uh, with with persecution or the lack of religious liberty. So this is um, a, a major issue in some parts of our world, particularly if we look at the United States, which has religious liberty as a part of their constitution and has created some very, very interesting discussions, even protests in places. Um, how, does, how does Voice of the Martyrs uh, perceive the uh, restrictions um, as a result of COVID-19? Are these a restriction on religious liberty? Are they attack on religious liberty and Christianity? Okay, well, look, as an organization, we have uh, adhered to the rules set out by the government here in Australia, and we suggest that people do the same elsewhere. We haven't taken a strong stance about that. But if you look at it from a biblical perspective, uh, I don't think Christians per se are being isolated uh, and uh, restricted because you have your sports clubs. I mean, how many sporting codes have shut down? You guys just earlier spoke about the uh, rugby union and uh, what had happened there. You know, they haven't been able to run their Super 12 rugby campaign. At the moment, there's uh, uh, not even talk about the international program that they normally run this, uh, will start to play in this time of the year. So, uh, you know, it's not only Christian churches that have been closed down. So we don't think it's been something that's specifically targeted Christians per se. And what you need to do, basically, when you, when you assess and analyze these things, whether you should actually oppose the the, uh, the legislation or you should adhere to it, is, is the government interfering with your relationship with the Lord? And the way we would assess that is, 
is the law based on the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments? In other words, the first table of stone. If it's not, then we believe that you need to be um, uh, adhering to the laws that the government has laid down. And uh, the government is well within its rights to actually legislate based on the last six commandments. They are there to protect uh, people. And uh, my, as I look at it, and, uh, and I've assessed it, they are actually doing the right thing. They're trying to protect people's lives. Mm, mm. And you can go to texts like Romans chapter 13, for example. You know, it, it says there in uh, verse 1, it says that every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And, and so on. But there's other texts as well. For example, we can think of Titus chapter 3, verse 1, where again it encourages us to be subject to rulers and authorities and to obey them, uh, to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, to kings and to governors. So really, we, we practice civil obedience. We are not advocates of civil disobedience. I know there's been some pastors in Florida and America that have been arrested because they've kept their church open. Uh, we would suggest that uh, wisdom is prudent here. And while the legislation is in regards to civil obedience and protecting our, our, our civil rights and freedoms and health, that we should obey the laws of the, the country and pray for our, our leaders. You know, pray for Scott Morrison and pray for the, uh, for the cabinet and, and the people that are making the decisions at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a very balanced approach, Etienne. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you sharing it. Etienne, it's been fantastic having you come on and give us a an update in the middle of the coronavirus as to what is taking place around the world and how it is affecting Christians, particularly in persecuted areas. And we look forward to having you come back again uh, next month to keep us up to date with uh, things that are taking place. Great. Thank you for having me on board. And for more information, please go to our website, vom.com.au. Or just go into the App Store or, you know, one of the Play Store and you can download our app. Just go type in um, Voice of the Martyrs Australia and you'll find a lot of information there. Okay, so that's vom.com.au if you'd like some more information. This is Anthem Lights, Because He Lives. Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow because He lives.
FaithFM want to encourage you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Keep in touch with vulnerable members of your community like grandparents or new mothers and see if there's something you can do to help them with simple things like picking up some groceries, collecting the mail or dropping off some meals. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone living in isolation or quarantine. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Love 